Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. Hello, 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 friends. It is so good to be in the land of the living. We have entered into the year 2022. Can you imagine that? I remember when it was 1990. You know, I remember when I was younger watching the Chicago Bulls. And, and then I never thought I'd get to the year 2010. And then, you know, Jesus is coming. I thought I would, you know, never th thought I would get to the year 2022. But lo and behold, where are we at? We're in 2022, and this world is turning upside down, backwards and forward. There is trouble in the land, and then at the same time, my friends, there's opportunity in the land so that God's name can be glorified in it. So, you know how the new year comes around and we start talking about New Year's resolutions? Some folks don't even do resolutions anymore because it's like, yo, we never really have been successful in the resolution, so we don't even want to deal in that regard. But when we talk about New Year's resolutions and we're talking about making changes and adapting habits and, you know, I was reading an article and it's talking about how most of these resolutions that folks have fail. Like literally there is failure in most of the resolutions. I, I, let me, I'm going to read a couple of these things to you and, and kind of just talk over some of this stuff. But, you know, most of these resolutions fail. I, here's an article I came across and it's talking about the reasons to make year's resolutions, even if you don't keep them. So anyway, I just want to read some of, some of the statistics that I found there. And they read as follows. It says, the most popular New Year's resolutions are about self-improvement, living healthier. Like 23% 20, of the people uh, chose that one. 21% chose getting happy. They want to get happy. 20% says, you know what, we need to lose weight. 7% 7 says they need to exercise. So I thought that's interesting. You know, like you got 20% that want to lose weight, but they didn't talk about exercise. Anyway, 5% uh, want to stop smoking. 2% want to reduce drinking. Uh, it's sad there's only 2% that want to reduce drinking. It should be much more than that. And then it says, in addition, people resolve to meet career or job goals. That's 16%. And improve their relationships, 11%. Now, only 11% want to improve their relationship. Again, I think that should be much, 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 much higher. And so these are just some resolutions that are there. I came across another page where it talks about the 10 top resolutions folks make. They make resolutions in exercise. Uh, number two is to lose weight. Number three is to get organized. Number four is learn a new skill or hobby. Number five is live life to the fullest. Now, what does that mean? You know, number six is save money, save more money, spend less money. Number seven is to quit smoking. Number eight is spend more time with family and friends. And then lastly here, or the last two are travel more and read more. Now, travel more is going to be a little harder with all the, the viruses that are running around and everything. But hey, uh, this is still, these are still the top 10 resolutions that folks make generally speaking. And so I'm looking at resolutions and I'm looking at the, the percentage of those that actually accomplish them. 
and you're looking at 30 to 40 percent of people dropping off in the first month you're talking about three to four months in you're talking about completely literally nearly no one executing on their new year's resolutions in fact there was an article that i read that showed that the older one got the less likely they would even make a resolution like don't even think of doing that anymore it's it's just so beyond them the younger they are the more optimistic they are and my mind goes to the idea of why is it that folks fail in making these resolutions let me show you something i have a i have an article here not an article but a, a definition i i found the definition of resolution definition of resolution a firm decision to do or not do something that's, that's all the resolution means. It's a firm decision to do or not to do something. So how is it that people are making New Year's, quote-unquote, resolutions, and they are not carrying them through if these are firm decisions? That's just a question I have. Like, if this is a firm decision, why is it not working? There are two other definitions that are given here. It says the quality of being determined or resolute. The quality of being determined or resolute. And the, the, the third one here is... The action of solving a problem, dispute, or contentious matter. So if you have the majority of folks who make resolutions, failing in, in, in completing the resolutions, how are these even resolutions? The more I kept thinking about it, I'm thinking, maybe these aren't resolutions at all. Maybe these are just good ideas that people have and they want to get them done, but they don't know how to make them resolute. Huh? Does that make sense? Like, there's, these are good ideas. They have general good ideas and good general good plans to execute. They buy the Peloton, right? My wife bought me a Peloton. That was a good exercise for the first couple weeks, right? And then my resolution, well, I didn't even have a resolution per se, but that resolve to keep riding a bike, ah, I don't know. Ah, yeah. It's right there. There's no excuse, <laughs> right? So what is it that is the difference between an idea and a resolute decision. So I began to look at it from a biblical perspective because I need success in every area of my life. Body, mind, soul, family, fun, finances, fitness, all of these areas of my life, faith, all of them must have firm, firm resolution. And so... In doing that, I came across a character that is my one of my favorite top five characters in all the Bible. Can you guess who that is? I know Jesus is my number one person. He's not just in the Bible. He's alive today. Amen. So I'm not talking in this point about Jesus directly, but indirectly. But the person that is my favorite, favorite, favorite person. Top top three. Is Daniel. The top three person in, in all of scripture. I just love Daniel. I love Daniel and I love John. They wrote two of my favorite books in all the Bible, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And this guy, Daniel, is taken from his homeland, taken into captivity, taken away from his family and friends, taken away from his norm of living and taken into captivity in the king's court. Now, while he's there, of course, the king changes his name, gives him a whole different form of education. But the one part that we're going to talk about right now is changes his diet or attempts to at least attempts to change Daniel's diet. And Daniel is unique in that he does not compromise his diet. 
So let me read let, let me read this to you so you can see exactly what I begin to see when I begin to think about these resolutions. You know, resolution sounds like revolution, but it's interesting. So when we talk about these rev resolutions, I want you to see this. And I thought it was it's very, very clear. We've read it many, many times, so it's not anything new, but it's pertinent. Like it's present for now. So Daniel chapter 1. And look at this, Daniel chapter one, and we're looking at verse number, I'm gonna start reading verse number five. It says, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So he, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abadnego. Now watch. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Now this passage right here is solid. He purposed in his heart. He was resolute in his heart. Now, notice it's in his heart that he made this purpose clear and distinct. It's in his heart. So I'm going to start there. Daniel purposes in his heart. Why the heart? Well, the heart is not the, not the beating heart, right? It's not that. It's not that heart. It's the heart where your seat of your emotions are. It's where your passions lie. It's, it's that which is connected to you vitally. It's, it's, it, is, it is a deep tie. Now, why is that important? So we're going to walk through this. So there's a deep tie because he, he resolved in his heart, not just in his brain. Like his brain is his intellect. His, his mind is his intellect. So it's not that he purposed in his mind alone. He purposed in his heart. He had his emotions tied to this decision. Okay? So when you and I are making the decision to make a resolute choice to, to, to make these New Year's habit-changing ideas... It must be connected to emotion. It must be connected to a core part of who you are. Are you following? So, if you're looking at this guy, you're looking at Daniel, he's making this resolution choice in his heart, then my mind automatically goes to several verses. You know what? You know what are the verses that comes to my mind? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things who can know it. That's the, that's the first verse that came to my mind. The heart is deceitful. How is it that Daniel makes a resolute choice in his heart? Now watch. Now Jeremiah 79, the passage I just quoted, but now I'm going to read to you verses 9 and 10. In Jeremiah 79, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So man doesn't know his own heart. It's desperately wicked. It's crazy. If I decide to do something, if it's not anchored in righteousness, then it's going to be corrupted. But God knows the heart. So if I'm you and you're me and I have a resolve, an idea in my mind that I must take my idea to God. Does that make sense? Because I need to make sure that it is in alignment with his will, that my, my emotions, my desires are in alignment with his will. Because if I don't do that, if I don't do that, it's going to be a mess. It may not be anchored. I may give up. 
too quickly because it's not anchored in the right place. Right? So when we're talking about the matters of the heart, God must be in it. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12. Look at this, Matthew 12, Matthew 12 in verse 34. Watch this. Matthew 12, verse 34 says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, the mouth speaking from the abundance of the heart. Now, if you have a corrupt heart, but you are using good words, it's still corrupt. Yeah? If you have a corrupt heart and it's not been sanctified and codified by the Holy Spirit and you are you are speaking these words, you cannot produce the fruit of righteousness that is supposed to come from that. Now I use the word righteousness, it means right. You cannot produce the abundance that's supposed to come from that because the the source is corrupt. I hope that makes sense. The Proverbs chapter four, look at this. Proverbs chapter four. In Proverbs chapter 4, and we're looking at verse, verse number 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. And notice here what the Bible says, because again, the Bible is our guidebook, right? It says, keep the heart with all diligence. Why should I keep? Why should I protect? Why should I, why should I place a fortress around my heart? Keep the heart with all diligence. For out of the issues of the heart, for out of the, for out of it, the heart, are the issues of life. Hmm. You see it? So out of the heart, all the issues of life come from there. And if I don't keep it with all diligence, it becomes corrupt and therefore corrupting whatever resolution, whatever decision I'm making, whatever interaction I'm having. If my heart is not kept pure and clean and protected, it will corrupt my decision-making processes. We're talking about biblical resolutions here. People make resolutions all the time. We're talking about biblical resolutions that are sustainable. Let's go a little bit further with this idea. So in James chapter one, verse 17, look at this. James, the book of James, James chapter one, James chapter one, look at verse 17. The Bible says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. So if you and I have corrupt hearts, naturally, if our hearts are made of stone, if they are an unconverted heart, then I cannot look to myself and my own heart for my resolutions. I must look to the one that knows the end from the beginning for whatever resolutions I'm making. And whatever choices I'm making as far as changes in my life, I measure them by what he says and what his word declares. You know, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. With all thine heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will do what? He will direct your pathway. Do you see Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what the scriptures are highlighting? That the heart, once connected with the Most High, once you submit your heart to the Most High, he then will empower your resolve to stand for right when you want to give up on it. 
You're going to need it. The reason why you're making a resolution is because you've been weak in other areas. It hasn't been done the way it's supposed to be done. People don't make resolutions because they're great. They make resolutions because they failed. Yeah. Yeah. So watch this now. It's Psalms 119. Look at this. In Psalms 119. Psalms 119. And again, we're talking about resolutions. How are we going to be successful in the choices of the change of habits that we're going to make? The the increase of vitality in, in our diets, in our exercise, and in reading, and so forth and so on. How are we going to be sustained in this? Look at what the Bible says. And you know this. In Psalms 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my, what's it say? Heart, that I might not sin against thee. Can you not think this is the same mindset that Daniel had? Where literally, in his mind, he is contemplating this idea that he is a sanctuary. Now, why do I say that? Because the language that's used, it says, he says, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So his reason went beyond, I just want to have a healthy body and be, you know, fit. I want to avoid disease. I mean, which is good. But his anchor went deeper than that. And so when you're making a, re a result or a resolve, and that, that resolve is anchored on the word, it gives you a sure foundation. So he sees himself as a temple. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Right? So he wants to offer in his temple that which God would be pleased with because he knows that he is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know that you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Now it's no longer I'm not going to smoke this because I want to be healthy. I want to avoid cancer. It's not, I want to be considered the healthiest person in the world. No, it's like whatever I eat or whatever I drink or whatsoever I do, I want to do it all to the glory of who, my friends? God. Now, the reason why this is important, because the only sure thing in this world, the only sure thing in this world is God's word. Period. Point blank. Full stop. That is it. There is no more sure foundation than the word of God. So if my resolutions are anchored in the word and I move then by faith, there is nothing. Hear me now. There is nothing that is going to be able to stop you and me from finding success and victory in the resolutions that we're making. Okay. Joshua, look at this. Look at this. Joshua. Joshua. Chapter 1. Look at this, friends. I believe the Bible is the most practical book in all the world. And the principles that are here have been used by secular minds in order to gain success in temporal things, which we are to use the same principles and scriptures against success in temporal things. And I'll tell you why in a minute. And if we can understand how to do that, then we will understand how to position ourselves to help advance the cause of God in a very vital way. So Joshua chapter one, look at what the Bible says, beginning at verse number eight. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So notice the law, meaning the scriptures, God's Ten Commandment law, the law of Moses. These these are things supposedly supposed to be kept before Joshua, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way, what's it say? Prosperous. And then thou shalt have, what's it say? Good success. Does that make sense? Then you will find your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. So when I'm making, have an idea, and I take that idea and I connect it to the word, and that word is all of God's counsel and his instruction. Then the principle that lies in that word, I can apply in my family, my faith, my fun, my fitness, my, my business, all of these things under the guidance of the word of God is a guarantee of success. Now, when I don't use the word, and I follow, follow after my own inclinations, my own understanding, failure is inevitable. Let me read this to you. I want to read this to you. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful um, quotation I want to read to you. It's, it's quite mind-blowing. It says, But when we give ourselves wholly to God, and in our work follow His directions, all right? Now, again, when we oftentimes when we read the quote like this, we're, we're thinking of, gospel medical missionary work or we're talking about preaching or teaching no every aspect of what we do is ministry friends whether you're on the job whether you're preaching from a pulpit whether you're eating at the dinner table all of it falls under witness and work for the most high because i am a reflection of him i'm supposed to be at least on a daily basis so watch this but when we give ourselves wholly to god and in our work, follow his directions. He makes himself responsible for its accomplishment. He makes himself responsible for its accomplishment. He would not have us conjecture as to the success of our honest endeavors. Interesting. Not once should we even think of failure. We are to cooperate with one who knows no failure. So now, then we must come to an understanding of what does God see as failure and success? When we're doing what he told us to do, what is, look, think about this. Here's Noah preaching for 120 years. As he's preaching, nobody getting on the boat. Year one, nobody gets on the boat. Year two, nobody gets on the boat. Year 40, nobody gets on the boat. Year 50, nobody gets in the boat. Year 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 119, nobody's getting on that boat. Year 120, only eight people get on the boat, friends. If we're garnering success by what is seen in numbers, we will always look at things the wrong way. But when I look at success through the lens of what God desires, and the only way to know that is in fellowship with him and being in his word, then there is no failure, even when only eight get on board. Think about it. Jesus goes to Calvary. When he's on the cross and he's dying, what do his disciples think? 
What does everybody think? They think that he's failed because he's on a cross. What it is, they don't understand the plan. They don't understand what success is in the mind of God. He was in the exact place at the exact time for the exact purpose for what God had called him to. And at that time, there was not one true person that understood fully what was going on. Maybe, maybe Mary, right? The woman that washed his feet. Maybe, maybe his mom. Maybe. But even still, folks was in tears, not understanding what was going on because they did not understand the measure of what was success. When you make your resolve, your resolutions, understand that they must be anchored on the word. And when you find yourself not being successful, this has nothing to do with God. This has to do with, did you understand the assignment? Mercy. Did you understand what God had put before you and what your his intent was with you? Let me give you an example. Another example. You know, when Moses initially begins his efforts to free Israel from bondage, and he's doing all these super miracles, the initial interaction with Pharaoh caused more hardship for the people of God to the point where the people were somewhat persecutory towards Moses because they did not understand the plan. They didn't understand what God had intended. This is why I'm saying to you, friends, you must make sure from the beginning that your heart is right with the most high before you make resolutions. And when your heart is right, the resolution will be right and continual communion with the most high is necessary in order to execute said resolution. It's imperative. You can't do it any other way. Now, let me go back here. Now, just because the word says it's going to do something doesn't mean you don't have effort and energy to put into it. In fact, I want you to understand that with the vision that's anchored in the word, there is an actual uh, actuation, a power that has to move you. And it's found in the book of Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And essentially, for, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. Let's, let me read that to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse, or chapter 5, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Okay. We're talking about resolutions, being firm, firm decisions. Somebody says they don't want to go to hell. And their motivation for living right is to avoid hellfire. They want to eat right because they want to avoid hellfire. They want to not have sex outside of marriage because they want to avoid hellfire. Let me tell you something. That person's still going to go to hellfire. The reason is because the only thing that keeps a man or a woman in relationship with God is not the fear of punishment. And it's also not the promise of reward, to be 100 with you. 
What keeps a man or woman in right relation with God is that they learn to love God. That is a supernatural energy. That's a supernatural uh, intervention. You can't naturally love God and you don't know how to love God except that he takes our hearts. Right. It's his, his. You have to give him permission to do it. And he begins to reveal himself. He shows himself as he reveals himself. You begin to see him more. Now you're willing to submit and to give to him what you don't naturally want to give to him. In light of that, though, it's the love of God that constrains us. It's that which moves us. It's that which keeps us. It is the only thing that is everlasting in nature as far as righteousness is concerned. You will never live good in a consistent manner if it's not based on love. Yeah? Whatever I eat, drink, whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. Why would I give God glory if, I'm a, if I hate him, if I'm afraid of him? If I don't love him, no, he he takes no pleasure in you being afraid of him. This has been a, a, a mischaracterization of the of God by the devil and his minions. He's the one that makes you think God is honoring and all these different things. No, 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 no. God is love. And in him being love, he gives us all these aspects of life to have abundance in. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and that they had, might have it more abundantly he's not skimping on your blessings the question is do you understand the principle that allows for him to bless you physically financially fun wise you know god doesn't mind you having fun if it's based on the word okay well what if what if, you know <laughs> I think about this often because sometimes when we want to have fun, it is based on our carnal nature. And that fun is not eternal. And, and it, it only causes anxiety, stress, guilt, and shame, you know? So, moved, moved by love. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. God wants to dwell with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. These are the anchoring reasons, not simply, I want to lose weight. Well, why do you want to lose weight? I want to be more healthy. Why do you want to be more healthy? I want to be more healthy because I want to enjoy life. Amen. Why do you want to enjoy life? Because there's so much more to be shared with my family and friends. Amen. Who gave you that? God did. So now I don't just want to lose weight for losing weight. I want to lose weight because there's relationships I want to maintain. There are people I want to, to, to hang out with. There are places I want to go with people. You know what I'm saying? Like it's deeper than I don't want to lose weight. Why don't you want to drink anymore? When I drink, I lose control. When I lose control, I embarrass myself. When I embarrass myself, I embarrass my family. And I embarrass my family, it's, it's just bad. I don't want to do that. I want a higher meaning for life. Ooh, now, now it's clear why you don't want to drink. Bring clarity, my friends. Clarity to your resolution. When doing so, you're able to execute. Because it's clear. And it's anchored in the word of God. Now, faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word so when that word is presented now your faith must anchor to that word because now it's impossible to fail the word of god never fails never ever 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 never fails never fails which is powerful now whenever you have these goals whenever you have these resolutions there must be a definite aim that's why i'm saying to you clarify why you're doing what you're doing as long as your heart is pure with God, you've made your resolution with him. What is the definite aim? 
Education page 262, paragraph one says, success in any line demands a definite aim. There needs to be a clear direction where you're going. He who would achieve true success in life must keep steadily in view the aim worthy of his endeavor. You want success in life? Have a clear, direct view that is worthy of your time and energy. You do this, success will find you and will come knocking on your door. Now, I want to read another quotation to you here. And it has everything to do with what we were talking about. It's talking about self-discipline. Now watch this. Self-culture will be the means of acquiring a vigorous, reflecting, and self-possessed mind. Noble qualities of mind are not obtained without patient effort, persevering cultivation of the mental, physical, and moral powers. In other words, it don't come by accident. You've got to intentionally work these areas. A course of self-discipline is most essential for the development and perfection of Christian character. What kind of discipline? Self-discipline. I. It should not be that somebody else has to discipline me, but I should have self-discipline, something that's developed over time. Now watch. Firmness, courage, industry, and perseverance should be cultivated. Firmness, courage, industry, and perseverance should be cultivated. These qualifications are essential to the formation of Christian character and should be sought after, cherished, and exercised. For they lie at the foundation of usefulness and of success in this life. Their success in this world and of their success in securing the future immortal life. You see, my friends, practical. You are to use these principles in this world to develop character in this world, to have abundance in this world and in the world to come. You see that, my friends? It cannot be pushed aside. It cannot be ignored. These are principles that must be applied in our daily lives. I find that to be assuring. Now, we're coming near to the end of our talk today, and I want to share one last thing with you. And this, this has to do, let me see here, yeah, with the will. I'm going to read, I'm going to read, I'm going to read to you because it says it so perfectly, and I'll make comments as we go along, but if we're talking about having resolve and success and Entering into a new year, we have to understand the will. And so, as I stated already, you know, you don't have New Year's resolutions if you've already been resolved. <laughs> if you're already executing at a high level, you make resolutions because your habits have been weak. It says, and I'm, I'm reading now, and you can find this in a book called Ministry of Healing, page 174, all the way to page 179. So I'm reading in your hearing, the victims of evil habit must be aroused to the necessity of making an effort for themselves. Others may put the most earnest endeavor to uplift them. The grace of God may be freely offered. Christ may entreat, his angels may minister, but all will be in vain unless they themselves 
are aroused to fight the battle in their own behalf. Does that make sense? So we can listen to all the motivational speakers we want. God can give us grace all we want. <laughs> but unless you say within yourself, you make a decision within yourself and take advantage of what is being provided via the motivation, via the grace of God, via the, the, the entreaty of Christ, via the angels ministering to you, unless you embrace that, they ain't going to do nothing for you. So you have a part to play. What is that? You must choose. You must choose. I read this. I'll keep reading. It says the last words of David to Solomon, then a young man, and soon to receive the crown of Israel were, Be thou strong, and show thyself a man. 1 Kings 2.2 2. To every child of humanity, the candidate for an immortal crown are these words of inspiration spoken. Be thou strong, and show thyself a man. The self-indulgent must be led to see and feel that great moral renovation is necessary if they would be men and women. God calls upon them to arouse and in the strength of Christ win back the God-given manhood or womanhood that has been sacrificed through sinful indulgence. So when we're talking about the body temple, I want to get more fit. I want to stop eating this. I want to go, I, I, I want to improve this skill set. You have to have discipline and you must be willing to work for it and put energy into it. This is how we're restored. Uh, again, I'll just keep reading. It says, feeling the terrible power of temptation, the drawing of desire that leads to indulgence. Many a man cries in despair. I cannot resist evil. Now, friends, this is where the grace of God comes in, because that's true. How many times have I said that? I felt hopeless in fighting against evil. And you cannot resist evil in your natural self. It's impossible. However, this is what we're told to tell that person. Tell him that he can and that he must resist. He may have been overcome again and again, but it need not always thus, always, always be thus. He is weak in moral power, controlled by habits of life of sin. His promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. The knowledge of his broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens his confidence in his own sincerity and causes him to feel that God cannot accept him or work with his efforts. But he need not despair. My friends, it's very interesting. When we're looking at the younger generation and them making resolutions, they're more optimistic. Those that are older don't even bother making them anymore because they've given up. But my friends, we have hope. We have hope in the person of Christ. That's why I always say your ideas connected to the word, your resolution anchored in the word, held on to by faith will never fail. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Christ. I'll continue to read. Those who put their trust in Christ are not to be enslaved by any hereditary. That means you were born with a tendency to something. It says hereditary or cultivated. That means you've intentionally done evil over time. So there's things that you're born with and there's some things that you cultivate, that you've groomed over time. So those who put their trust in Christ are not to be enslaved by any hereditary or cultivated habit or tendency. Instead of being held in bondage to the lower nature, they are to rule every appetite and passion. God has not left us to battle with evil in our own finite strength. Praise the Lord. 
Whatever may be our inherited or cultivated tendencies to wrong, we can overcome through the power that he is ready to impart. We're not fighting this by ourselves. He is fighting with us. Through the right exercise of the wheel. Listen to this. Through the right exercise of the wheel, an entire change may be made in the life. By yielding up the will to Christ, we ally ourselves with divine power. We receive strength from above to hold us fast, steadfast. A pure and noble life, a life of victory over appetite and lust, is possible to everyone who will unite, their, unite his weak, wavering human will to the omnipotent, unwavering will of God. You guys see that? I mean, that's what I've been saying from the beginning. It's like, if you take your idea... And you anchor it to the word and you submit by faith to what the word says, you will be victorious because it's not by your strength that you're able to have an enduringness in your Christianity, in your walk, in your resolution. But say, I hear I hear somebody saying, but Andre, I know people who stopped smoking that didn't even know Jesus. I say every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If they, they accomplished that, it was because God willed it. They connected with him, even they didn't even know him, friends. You, you follow me? God gave a gift. It's not something that was earned. He is the one that gives us victory. He is the one that teaches us how to have success. He is the one that gives us wealth. He is the one that gives us happy homes and happy relationships we can't have happiness truly in abundance without him we can have fits and spurts of happiness fits and spurts of joy but enduring this can't have it without him can't do it without him friends those who are struggling against the power of appetite should be instructed in the principles of healthy living if I were to say the same, I would take the same sentence to say those who are struggling with their finances should be instructed in the principles of biblical finance. I can take the same sentence to say those who are struggling with their relationship should be instructed in the principles of true relationships. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. It matters that if you have a problem and you find yourself not in abundance and joy in that area, it's in the word of God that you will find that abundance and joy. There are people trying to get ready for the time of trouble without following what the Bible says to do. There are people trying to get ready for a national Sunday law and they don't know what to do according to the scripture. Friends, you and I must go back to the scripture for abundance in every aspect of our lives. And therefore, the prayer would be, Father, teach me how to pray. Father, teach me how to study. Teach me how to walk with you. Teach me how to love my wife. Teach me how to love my daughter. Teach me, Father. Open that word of God and open your heart to the Holy Spirit. And God will teach you. He will teach you. For every struggling, for every soul struggling to rise from a life of sin to a life of purity, the great element of power abides in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If any man thirsts for restful hope, for deliverance from sinful propensities, Christ says, let him come unto me and drink. The only remedy for vice is the grace and power of Christ. My friends, 
You want to be successful? You want to have victory in your life? You want your resolutions to be firm and unyielding? It's simple. Take your idea. Go to the word. Find God's instruction for that idea principally in the word. Apply practical applications with those principles. Move by faith. And success is guaranteed. As defined by God. Does that make sense? I pray it makes sense, friends. I pray you, you take your resolutions to the Lord. I pray that you anchor yourself in his word. For in his word, my friends, is life and liberty. In his word, my friends, is the joy that passes all understanding. In his word, my friends, is the creative energy that called the worlds into existence. This energy is in the word of God, and we must take hold of it by faith. My friends, our time is up. My word of encouragement is to you is to be the abundance. Let God put in you and create in you what you want to manifest outside in the world. Let God put in you the financial wealth. Let God put in you the marital prosperity. Let God put in you the spiritual wisdom. Let God put in you a love for souls that you don't have yourself. That way you can be the abundance that others can be blessed by. So my friends, be the abundance and be blessed. God bless you. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.